Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the epilogue for Dearest Ones. Those were the letters that our hero, the Silver King, wrote to his family throughout his war. And we begin today with a look back at what the Air Corps was doing to explain to the nation the role it had in going to war. It's important to remember that the United States did not have a separate Air Force branch during the Second World War. The Air Corps was part of the United States Army, and its leader, General Hap Arnold, asked John Steinbeck, who won the 1940 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction for the Incredible Grapes of Wrath, to write a novel about the United States Army Air Corps to explain to the nation the essential roles that the airmen and their planes played in serving the nation and going to war. In 1942, Paragon House published Bombs Away, Steinbeck's book about a bomber team training and fighting in World War II, and Steinbeck wrote this. The enormous cruising range of our bombers, together with their capacity for carrying enormous quantities and weights of bombs, have put new emphasis and new responsibility and new honor on the land-based long-range bomber. It can patrol and strike thousands of miles at sea, and no ship, no matter how protected, can survive the weight of its attack. On the newly formed and trained bomber crews is being placed the first responsibility to the nation to defend the coasts and to carry the war to the enemy. There is little question why the Army Air Force is placing such emphasis on the heavy bomber. As you know from following our hero, the nuances of his war and training, of course, began on the larger heavy bombers. Stanley was learning to fly and love the Flying Fortress, which he called a limousine in the sky. But of course, the nation was making smaller bombers as well. And in the case of the king and his war, he became a marauder man. And as you know, that was the B-26, which was built by Glenn Martin in Middle River, Maryland. And before our king went to his war, Martin Manufacturing in 1941 employed over 53,000 men and women working three shifts, seven days a week. Citizens were drawn to Martin's workforce from throughout the mid-Atlantic region, and this tremendous and talented workforce needed places to live, of course, 
And so Martin and his contractors began building residential communities called Victory Villa Gardens, Stansbury Manor, Arrow Acres, and Kingsley Park. Martin workers lived on streets called Propeller Drive, Kitty Hawk Road, and Fuselage Lane. Stanley, with the soon-to-be-famous Martin Marauder well into production, decided to join the Enlisted Reserve Corps, and his initial paperwork included a very simple statement sent to him from the Aviation Cadet Examining Board, Room 29, in the Federal Building in Birmingham, Alabama. I certify that Stanley Lester Silverfield, 14,103,064, enlisted this 18th day of June 1942 as a member of the Air Force Enlisted Reserve, signed James W.C. Myrie, First Lieutenant Infantry, President Aviation Cadet Board. Five months later, Stanley received a letter in an envelope from the War Department, which was stamped Official Business. Under the heading, Headquarters Aviation Cadet Examining Board, Room 29, Federal Building, Birmingham, Alabama, dated November 26, 1942. You are to be present at the Army Show Tuesday evening, December 1st, at 8.30 o'clock in the City Auditorium, Birmingham, Alabama. You will take your seat in the first section down in the front in the middle section of the main floor. You may bring as many of your friends as you wish, and they may sit with you. We will be glad to have your parents, aunts, and uncles come, but do not ask older people to sit down front with you. When the band plays the Army Air Corps song, you will all rise, your friends too, and remain standing until the band has finished playing this number. The Army Show will be a wonderful opportunity to hear Pierre Huss, famous nationally known foreign correspondent who was attached to Hitler's staff of correspondents for eight years. He followed the German army into Austria, Czechoslovakia, Poland, Denmark, Norway, the Netherlands, Belgium, and France. He is now a private in the Army of the United States at Fort McClellan. He is a marvelous speaker and has a dynamic personality. The Fort McClellan band will play, and the marching chorus will sing. Lieutenant Beckman will check the list of those present after you are seated. Be present and on time. 8.30, Tuesday evening, December 1st, City Auditorium, Birmingham, Alabama. Keep them flying. James W.C. Myrie, First Lieutenant Infantry, President Aviation, Cadet Examination Board. As the extended Silverfield family attended the Army Air Corps show on December 1st at the City Auditorium in Birmingham. They, of course, were contemplating what was ahead, 
four there, Stanley. He was 19. Stanley's family, his many aunts and uncles and cousins, would be celebrating in December. They would enjoy some holiday time together and help their young warrior, their air cadet, prepare for his big year of 1943. Our hero, young Stanley, was to get on a train in Birmingham and travel to Nashville, Tennessee for classification at the Army Air Corps headquarters to determine what he would do for his service. That troop train left for Nashville on January 10th, 1943. And as we prepare to follow Stanley at the start of his war, we have reached the end of part three of the epilogue to Dearest Ones, the letters that Stanley wrote throughout his war to his family. And you are listening to The Silver King's War. <laughs> 